welcome back to another episode of Riffs and Scripts. Riffs and Scripts. Riffs and Scripts. Wonderful. So we decided last week that we wanted to keep chatting this week. But a lot of the time when, when little, little secret, a lot of the time when podcasts do that, they actually record it all at once. But we genuinely didn't. We no, went, we all right, didn't. sick. I'll see you next week. Boom. So um, Just had enough of each other, frankly. I remember we were a bit exhausted because we actually talked for a really long time. And then yeah, we stopped we recording and kept talking for a really long yes, time. We did. We and did. then we were like, we're going to starve to death. <laughs> yep. So. It was true. Absolutely true. But um, we have decided to continue our subject of supporting acts, supporting artists, um, supporting actors, um, because we basically went on such an incredible level of tangents that oh, we only covered like two us, people each. It was like Inception. There we go. Um, so, Amber, how have you been, first off? We shouldn't go straight in. Jeez. How are you doing? You yeah, right? I've been good. I've been good. Um, I know I keep saying this. Um, but I am I am planning more projects for myself. But um, for, in the name of pride, I don't want to say too much until I know they're definitely happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know you, how that is. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I don't want to go, oh my gosh, I'm doing this thing. And then it gets cancelled like that, like so many times in my life. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm finding, I think I'm reaching a stage personally and creatively where I want to I wanna handle things a bit differently. I want to take new steps for myself. So that's exciting. Mm. How are that's you? That's cool. I'm all right. My vocal booth is almost completed, which is nice. So next time, or maybe in a, a few weeks, we'll be able to get you round here and actually record yeah, it in person. That'd be sweet. Which is pretty mad. Given the state of the country, that's actually feasible at the I moment know, now. I know. I can't wait um, to see you in person. I'm going to grab I your know. little face and I'm just going to squish Yo. it. I'm sure that will happen in reverse also. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll take pictures. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I've also I've had I've had I've become twenty nine. Yes, over, uh, between our recordings, at least one year um, more. Don't sh- d- stop! Stop it! Stop! No, don't know what you're. I'm, I'm not. I'm not getting older. The passage of time doesn't affect me. I'm Peter Pan. I am. I never want to grow up. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna anything. age, but you don't have to mature. Shh, shh. There's no rule about. Oh yeah, maturing, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's the not. reason. I, I'm not growing up. I'm just growing outwards. Um, story of my life <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh what did i watch i was re-watching game of thrones right and there's a bit oh, I saw it, yeah. there's a bit where i think aria says it where um someone's like feeding her and i can't she's eating and she's like oh you eat a lot and uh, or why are you not taller and she says something like i eat a lot but i just don't grow and i really <laughs> related to it i was like my god that's me <laughs> It's not fair. It's not fair. Yeah, mate, I haven't had a growth spurt since like before the year 2000. <laughs> oh my God. No, not that long. I reckon the last time I grew, I was a teenager. I was about 15 at best. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't grow much taller in the last, well, I'm thinking before, between 21 and 25, I must have gained like an inch, half an inch of height. And then and that's just um, better posture. <laughs> Yeah, I think to to be honest, my posture is appalling, and I think yeah. I'd be like probably an inch taller if my posture wasn't quite so horrifically bad. Um, but um, yeah, I I was someone who until I went into secondary school, um, I my voice broke way before I got any taller. I didn't have a single growth spurt before my voice broke. So were you just so, like Danny DeVito? For and a while? I was, and I yeah, I <laughs> yeah yeah I wasn't like I was I I'm short now. 
I was really short for a 10-year-old when I was 10. So right. I was like a, a dinner down a child and all of a sudden went over the course of secondary school. But in um, year seven, I came in sounding like this, but being like four foot tall. So yeah. Love it. <laughs> you know, lots of fun, lots of fun. Before um, we get really into it, um, I do want to talk about our listeners. Um, yes. Because like, okay... When I discover something small and new and indie, like a new band or a theatre company, there's something really, really fun about watching them grow, right? So I'm going to share some of our little hurdles with you guys. So we've, we're recording on the 1st of June. So we now have our downloads for all of May. So back in April, and I'm not ashamed to say this at all, but in April we had 50 downloads. Now that's not too bad for a little independent place. I was like, oh, that's over 10 downloads a week. Blimey. People that are... was before I was tracking it. So yeah. now knowing what I know now. Yeah, so blimey. we were getting, we got 50 in total over April. We got over 450 in May. Now, Blush. that's amazing. And of course, a big chunk of that is due to Dave. Cheers, Dave. I said Dave. I'm so proud of myself. You did say Dave. Well done. <laughs> um, and our like amazing new Irish following, but not all of it, only about half of it, which does still mean that our listeners of our own, the ones that we've grown, have continued to grow and still triple. Hmm. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited to see where we go next month. Yeah. I, I am getting yeah. random people who I, because obviously I, I push it on my social media every now and again. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting random people who I would not even think were remotely interested saying, oh, I'm really enjoying your podcast at the moment, mate. And I'm like, what? Aww. What? what? Yeah. I didn't know you did that. Blimey. So I've, I've not actually done the thing where, and it would probably be tactful too. I just don't want to be that guy. <laughs> but I haven't done no, the thing I, where yeah. I've messaged everyone and gone, can you just hit subscribe? I don't oh, care I've if you Oh, I've never done that. No, no. I don't want that. I don't that. do that. Um, do you know what? That, that leads into something in, in, in my own life, in band life. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've talked about that a lot. Quite significantly. That, yeah... Bands do that all the time, yeah. and bands add you on Facebook. A band member will add you on Facebook, and you'll be like, "I'm sure I've met you somewhere, I've met you at a gig or something." And it's yeah. just like, "Hey, you like my band?" Yeah. It's just like, Ugh. yeah. I haven't. I just haven't wanted to just handle it that way. I wanted to actually see how it did on its own. But I have also had like a random, like they're not actually cousins. We're not related, but we're kind of cousins from like Scotland. Message me yeah. like I'm really enjoying your podcast, and that's not how they sound. They actually have very deep Glaswegian accents. And apparently, one of them messaged my mum and was like, "She's really funny." Like they never <laughs> knew I was funny. I was like, "All right, oh, okay. isn't that nice? Isn't that nice?" So yeah, it's going well, and I'm Lush. excited by it, and I'm excited yeah. to not know what's happening next, and yeah, exactly. to just just ride it, ride the wave. So which is standard for us because we pretty much never <laughs> plan on in time but <laughs> you say we're I don't even know what, what you just said next. sorry what did you say I don't know not planning the next episode I don't know what you're until like about. the night before sometimes we get really into it and we plan it weeks in advance yeah yeah and we show up with our list and then sometimes we're like what should we talk about I don't know I quite like drums alright <laughs> alright we'll talk about drummers we'll talk about isn't that. it mate <laughs> Yeah, I can think of five drummers I like off the top of my head. That'll be fine. Yeah, easy. No easy peasy, mate. Sorted. So, I feel like you had stuff that didn't get mentioned last week, much yeah. more than I do. So, why I, don't you get us started? I, 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 yeah, I, I sent you... Because, um, basically, I only talked about two bands. Um, and I've got this big old list of bands. And I, I started with a list of five, and then it just kept increasing. Um, so, I talked about some bands that people would expect to hear from me. I've got some more, because... Some of them are bloody brilliant. But um, 
I thought I'd pick out one or two bands as well who people would not expect me to um, go for. I've included bands that I've seen who are headlining second stages at festivals rather than um, being on the main stage. But that's because it's my podcast and I do what I fucking like. So, um, (laughs) one of... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Our podcast, Amber. I do apologise. One of the very best live performances I've ever seen ever, 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 was Pendulum. I saw that download. Pendulum are one of my very most favourite music acts all the time. Um, I listen to them probably more often than the vast majority of bands I listen to or or, or, or music I listen to. Pendulum just gets me friggin' pumped. And um, I, know, I know literally nothing about the hype man. I've no idea. But he's good at his job, so that's nice. I um, saw Pendulum in my Freshers Week. Fun fact. They're just fucking great they, were, just, they are so good live they're so fucking good they know they are, exactly they how, know they know how to how, make an atmosphere don't they like, yeah they know how oh. to make an atmosphere they know how to make a fucking good hook they know how yes. to make a fucking good melodic hook that doesn't involve vocals as well which is it, a skill in itself and you know exactly where it is you know and you're just fucking going because i've said before i just love things that make me go fucking mental um so pendulum are amazing um and yeah one of the best live experiences ever and i i had the option between def leopard and pendulum and secretly i don't like def leopard very much <gasps> really? so i just would have yeah, expected just that never, just never uh, they, got you yeah there's a lot of don't want to use the word cheesy um but i'm going to use the word have, cheesy you just did i just did and don't I'm be that to guy that's like to. i don't want to say um, I don't Wrong, want to say that I, I hate Def Leppard. No, I don't hate them. It's just that, like... <laughs> I don't want to say you're terrible. Let me like a bow, maybe come and get me down. Me, 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 Not my cup of tea. Sorry. I, that, oh, I'm going to get some hate for that. Bloody hell, I shouldn't have done that, should I, Amber? Shots fine. Uh, <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, there's a lot of 80s kind of corny stuff that I don't like. There's some, I some love that I think is really good. Some, I, some of it I think is really good. People but hate some on it me for it, but I love it. Me. Well, why not? Yeah. Enjoy what you enjoy. But, you know, look, this is the thing. Let's always remember, guys, we're talking about stuff that is not science, okay? Like, everyone is going to have a certain level of taste. This isn't us trying to be critics. It's just you saying, they weren't my favourite. I chose Pendulum over them. Mm. Like, that's fine. Some of their early stuff is good. In fact, I met the guitarist who I think was only on their first album, and he liked my band. Um, Met him at a pub gig once. Um, Can't remember what album he was on. He might have only been on the first one or two. But, um, you know, like, they're, they're great musicians and they are a great band. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying they're not you, a great you, band, you just not my cup of tea. Don't sit yeah. at home listening to albums. Like, that's that's fine. And guess Which what? Is allowed. Plenty of people do. It's all good. Yeah. You know, I, and, I, I, and the other side of it as well, I remember one of my actual, my loony, my, loony, my uni lecturers um, pointed this out, which I thought was really clever. When I'm going in, the, if you go in the complete opposite direction, there are things where it's like embarrassing to like them, but they're in the charts. So like the hmm. obvious thing would well, be like, yeah. like everyone, Nickelback. everyone's like, I don't like Twilight, but well, it was one of the most sold books and it made a lot out of the movie. So someone fucking likes yeah. Twilight. You <laughs> all watched it and read it. Yeah. You know, so someone likes even it. Even if you then criticize it, you still got involved and that's fine. What was, I saw this thing that was like, are you even a Star Wars fan if you don't hate all the Star Wars movies? Because <laughs> part <laughs> of the love is also like criticizing it. So Man. Like, we all have a taste. It's fine. 
<laughs> that's such a big subject in my life <laughs> that you just said. Really? Like, like, um, okay. So it used to be in your good old days in the nineties and before then that you know you love the first Star Wars and you love the second Wars and people like me love the third Star Wars. But then um, a lot of hardcores were like, "Oh, the Ewoks are stupid, right?" And then they Phantom Menace off, came out, though. and then people were ripping on Phantom Menace. And then the second one came out, the Episode Two. People were ripping on Attack of the Clones, and then mm. people were ripping on. Um, I think it was Revenge of the Sith next. Yeah, Can't it, was, it was. It was. It was. It um, was. Um, and guess what? Uh, I had all of them on DVD, and I watched them in my brother's room on his yeah, PS2. Great. And I'm not and sorry I about loved, it. I love. Um, the thing is that um, when you grow up. And you look back at it and you go, actually, no, it was actually really good. And um, those particular films were were really great. And partially that's come in comparison with the ones that I don't like, which is the modern ones. (laughs) Oh, I see. I really like the modern ones. But I've grown up and looked back on the prequels and gone, okay, that isn't great work. Like, it's not. But I was was the target audience at the time. I was the little kid who had seen the original trilogy. I liked Jar Jar. And I got really excited. I liked Jar Jar as a child. I can't watch Jar Jar now because I feel truly ashamed that that my younger self didn't understand everything wrong with Jar Jar. Yep. Like... Live in love. Anyway, we've gone on a tangent already. So Pendulum, we love Pendulum. We F- both love Pendulum. love Pendulum, and they are great. Pendulum live. Are fucking great. Uh, fun facts about Pendulum: Nate's uh, girlfriend. Um, oh, have I told you about Nate? Who's uh, Nate? I'm sorry, I don't uh, know who he is. Who's Nate? Um, Nate's he can't girlfriend be that big a part was of your life. At- no idea. I, I feel like know. it could be a drinking game where like one team drinks when you mention Nath and the other team drinks when I mention Music Tech Boyfriend. I feel music like tech boyfriend. they come up a lot. They do, they do, they, they do. They are the centre of reason. our lives. Um his lady friend, who's like my sister, um, was at the live at Brixton uh Pendulum album she was at that gig oh, wow. and she's a huge metallica fan like the biggest metallica fan really? and she would punch you out if you ever said anything bad about metallica which i have done she's punched me out um but when they did master of puppets pendulum did master of puppets at brixton live she fucking screamed her eyeballs out uh, and rightly so because it's well fucking good so there's I feel like that i go pendulum to gigs for one of two Boom. reasons okay so i will either go to a gig because i personally fangirl over the band and those are the gigs where i want to be on barrier and i want to watch them and i want to look at them doing their thing right and yeah. then there's another type of gig and this is where metal comes into it but also i think pendulum falls into this category where actually there is it, it take, it's a very specific skill to be so good at creating an atmosphere that i don't actually need to be watching you i can just i can just be in the room and enjoying the vibe and pendulum is very much one of them pendulum is 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 an act where you just have to be there do you know what a a band that does that really well in my opinion um they're not my favorite band but they're a great band is rammstein um they create an atmosphere this kind of circus-like atmosphere and you're not necessarily watching them perform in a kind of sense of a musical sense you're watching them be Rammstein you know Um, you're watching them do this kind of circus act thing Uh, it's not the same same thing that we're talking about but it's 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 kind of you know I think I mentioned it before when there was Slipknot I Maiden and Rammstein when you had you know a kind of circus act and you had a band in the form of like um, I Maiden and then you had Slipknot which had bits of in between and it was a really great thing Um, but you know uh, it's about a vibe and that's that's partially the way you do that is what makes a band, you know, significant and interesting and unique. And it's partially due to drummer as well, because you no know, drum and bassy type of um, uh, electronically produced stuff. Uh, we'll do that in a certain way anyway. Do you know what actually um, came up this week that I got really excited about? So 
just sat at home looking up random YouTube stuff, you know, keeping yourself entertained. And then I remembered Lucy Spragan. Does that name mean anything to you? I don't think it will. That sounds very familiar and I don't know why. let me remind you. She auditioned for X Factor years ago, right? Years ago. And when she auditioned, it was around the early, the first couple of seasons where they did the live auditions in front of an audience, right? Hmm. And she like was 20 years old, really kind of down to earth kind of girl, walked on with her guitar, sang a song that she'd written that everyone loved. I don't remember the details, but then I I, I don't know if she didn't get far in X Factor or if she dropped out because someone snatched her up. But next thing you know, she had a couple of music videos out and mm. she'd done like, you know, like live on the sofa little sets for radio stations and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember when I was like 18 and first at uni, it, I loved her music, but she only had like three songs out. Mm. I listened to them loads and then kind of got over it and then i remembered her and i was like no 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 she was an incredible songwriter who got herself seen she must have kept going and i looked it up and she mm. has like four albums so yeah, I'm like, that's yeah! nice. and i've been listening to them loads oh, man. the song that like she is known for is called last night it's about she calls it the beer fear song where you wake up like oh no what did i do last night and it goes last night i told you i loved you woke up blamed it on the vodka do you know it I don't know. No, oh, it sounds charming. She's very so yeah, acoustic-y, folky, but also... Ah, oh, she's great. She's so good. Look her up. Do so, you know what? Mad Bef- shout-out. I'm so glad she kept going and now has albums, and I'm Aww, here for it. I would sweet. love to see her live. I've got to tell you something really weird and funny, um, which I haven't told you before. Um, family friend... Uh, w- w- some family friends of mine, basically, uh, one of their daughters, um, it's like, what, must be 10 years older than me-ish, uh, about then do you remember newton faulkner uh saw him live yeah not or sorry as about I, it as, or as i knew him at the time sam my family friend's boyfriend who played a bit of guitar and was a musician Is and then they broke sam? up and then he wrote loads of songs about her I oh my god dream catch me because about he got her, isn't he it? got he got famous like a couple of years after like big famous and was like everywhere because i i was watching tv and i was like holy shit that's sam because so he had the breakup, he went into his room and wrote an album and then succeeded. <laughs> like yeah, many, I think it was probably about do. her. Oh, so I know amazing. that girl then. It, I assume it must have been about her. Cause they, were, they were together for a while, you know. Yeah. Um, I was like really young. I was like, like a little kid at the time. And weirdly, I was playing an old um, 2000s James Bond, Bond game called Nightfire. Mm. Um, might have even been 90s. And we were just, I was playing that. I was at their house, some family stuff was going on, and, you know, this cool ginger guy with dreadlocks comes in. It was the nicest bloke in the fucking world, by the way. He has charisma um, for days. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, just a really nice bloke. Yeah. Um, hanging out with him. Blah, blah, blah. Um, we all knew him as Sam. Um, and um, we were chatting about James Bond games and computer games, and he was like, yeah, this is great. I love this game so much. And there's a new uh, James Bond game. You should check it out from Russia with Love or something like that. You know? really weird but then like a couple of years later i was watching tv you like, oh faulkner comes up on screen and promoting his new album and i was like is that sam <laughs> <laughs> he and was, was like, it looks a lot like him and rang up rang up uh, the, the family friends and it was he is so good live so i saw him at the royal albert hall and it i believe it was one of the teenage cancer trust gigs that would happen yearly mm. and there were quite a few sets amy mcdonald was there i was a massive fan of amy mcdonald for a while um newton faulkner was there and he, he is so fun that his music set is also kind of a stand-up set 
And he actually had Sweet. to say to people, he was like, look, yeah, I've got a strict time slot. This isn't my gig tonight. So if I talk too much shit, you need to yell at me to get on with it. <laughs> and people were, people were like, play your next song. He was like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Because he was so fun. And I was like, why isn't it your brand? Why are you not like being like Tim Minchin? Because he really mm. is, his music isn't comedy, but his energy on stage and what he says in between songs was hilarious and we are oh, he was he was one of the first musicians i ever saw that kind of also turned his guitar into a drum and he did it so mm. flawlessly and just effortlessly and it was mm. years ago like oh he was great live magic which of, of course it must have been um uh you know the thing that that ed sheeran because he ended up doing that, that Ed Sheeran big did end up doing it, yeah. yeah. But Newton Faulkner was the first person. I don't think he was maybe the first person to ever do it, but he was just the first no, person not, I no. saw do it and went, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you're out there, Newton Faulkner, we met once or twice when I was a little kid and I thought you were cool and we talked <laughs> about James Bond games. So there Cute. you go. Yeah. What a legend. Uh, anyway, so um, Amber, um, I can I can continue rambling about how much I love Pendulum and how much I don't like Def Leppard, but um, <laughs> you had more stuff on your list. Um, throw some, throw some stuff at me, yo. There's one thing I just have to mention, and it's 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 very famous, but I just don't think that it gets enough love. It cannot possibly get enough love. Can we talk for a minute about the masterclass in acting that is Goodwill Hunting? Yeah, sure. Have you seen How that? How do you like film? them apples? Have you seen Goodwill Hunting? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is yeah. One of the best acting movies, like it's one of the best movies for just really honest, beautiful acting ever. And now we all know this about Robin Williams and about um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. But can we please discuss Minnie Driver? She steals that film for me. And I, I, every, so I rewatched it recently and I kept going, oh my God, I love this bit. Oh my God, I love this bit. You know, when you go through that, when you're rewatching yeah, it, you yeah, haven't watched yeah. it in a while. And right, if you haven't seen Good Will Hunting, skip five minutes and go fucking watch it, then come back and listen to the rest of the episode. Skip five minutes. Good Will Hunting cannot be pressed, compressed into five minutes. That is true. Oh no, this conversation. Sorry, I was very confused then. Just give me a minute. Oh yeah. Oh honey. Um, I mean the episode. Anyway, so <laughs> if you've not seen it, pause, go watch it, and come back or skip a bit of the episode. Anyway, Good Will Hunting is a, f- a phenomenal story. And it's it's done so well. And I think the director had a really big impact on it. But I want to specifically talk about Minnie Driver. Because her there's one scene that's really heart-wrenching when she asks him to go away with her and, hmm. they, and they break up because he freaks out. And he's like, no, hmm. you're going to leave me for someone else, this, that, the other. And she, as a character, the character that she plays is so is so headstrong because she's like, no, you're lying to me. You're scared of commitment. What are you so afraid of? Like, I just want to be with you and you can't even admit that, mm. you, that you want the same thing. And she's having an argument and she's arguing with him. She's doing it quite calmly, but she's challenging him and she's, she's getting quite tough with him. And there's a bit where she says, well, what about all these brothers you say you have? Which is obviously mm. a lie. And she's worked that out ages ago in the film mm. that he's lying. And 
it hits a nerve for him because he was this abused child. And he, when he starts yelling about what happened, he's like, what do you want to know? You want to know that I'm an orphan? And she is still kind of holding her own. And she goes, um, I didn't know that. In that kind of, she's defending herself. She's like, why are you annoyed at me for something I didn't know? So she repeats the phrase, I didn't know that, like five or six times. Huh. And every time it's different. And there's one moment when he first mentions the violence he went through her whole face and energy and voice changes. It goes from a defensive, quite angry, I didn't know that, to a heartbroken, the man I love got hurt. Oh my God, I didn't know that. And it's just one of the most heart-wrenching. Like, you would not think that she knew as an actor how Mm. that scene was going to end, you know? Mm. She goes through it and the news that the man that she loves was abused, like, hits her. It hits her in that moment and the camera catches it and it's just Mm. so stunning. It's just... I cry every time I watch it. And I just... Oh, Minnie Driver is such an underrated actor and I just think she deserves so much limelight and so much credit. But the film overall is fantastic. Because hmm. there's another moment where um, Robin Williams' character, the therapist, and the professor character, also played by the guy who plays Bootstrap Bill. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know the guy. <laughs> yeah, I know the guy. You know the guy. They're arguing. I didn't realise that was the same guy because he's also, what's his name, in Thor or something, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's a fantastic actor. And he's, he's, got, he's great. He's in loads he's of stuff. He's got a very he's, um, long-standing, he, brilliant career. I think see, he might be Irish. He from? He's from Northern... I thought it was from Northern Europe. Oh, maybe um, I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally Nordic wrong. area. My point is, there's... Again, I'll Google him. Yeah, Google him while I talk about his fantastic acting. So there's a scene where he and Robin Williams are arguing over this Matt Damon's future. Um, you know, the professor is saying, you know, he's got all this potential. Um, don't waste it. Don't resent him for his success. And then as a therapist, Robin Williams is going, he's not ready. You need to let him get there. Don't push him. Don't don't make him feel abandoned. You know, all of these things. Hmm. And, and you can see that they are both coming from such different places with hmm. such different motives and different understandings. And it's not actually about him it's about them and their relationship yeah, with course, each other yeah. and there's a bit where robin williams is talking and he's going on all these different directions and he leads himself up to saying this isn't about you it's about the boy and again mm. it, it's written and directed in such a way that it's as if this character wasn't didn't hadn't found the words yet was mm. trying to make his point and trying to make his point and then found the right words and i think that that is just such impressive writing directing and performance because an average writer would have made this isn't about you the first line but he made it like the 10th line the 10th sentence and that just means it it just made it so human and so relatable Mm. and just natural oh it's a wonderful film boom but yeah i mean that's what i was thinking when when you were talking about the 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 conversation with mini driver is that you know um mini driver's character is that you know someone's chosen that line and you know, they between the two of them, the the well between the the writer, the actor, actor, director, they've yeah. gone. This line means so much more than it just means written out on a page. Yeah, you know, for sure. um, and it, it's 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 a great example of how collaboration works oh, together, uh-oh. which is why our uh-oh. podcast is so successful. I did a um, playwriting course at uni, and Boom. we had to really think about the the process of when you pass the work on. So the writer does the first bit of work, right? Hmm. But then the writer has to let go 
if once yeah. it's being made I, I mean a lot of the time the original writer tends to like direct the first production mm. or or tends to be like executive producer of the film and tends to be very involved for lots of good reasons and i'm not against that if i'm being honest but there's still a process in which you've done your job you have written a core piece of work so let's stick with the play for the sake of my example um you've written your play well done you've done the writing you then have to let go of it and pass it on to someone else and then the director has to do the imagining and turn it into a play rather than a document and has to bring it to life through adaptation and casting and directing and you know all of that process Mm. and then the director has to let go and it becomes the actors and the actor has to take full ownership by the time opening night happens when i was at arts ed and we did i think it was our shakespeare's i can't remember but um sally who directed us opening night she literally got us all in the huddle you know the huddle there's always a huddle got us all in in the pep talk once more into the breach moment but what she said was she said usually usually it's around the time of the pre-gig poo yeah 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 exactly exactly yeah (laughs) 11th hour kind of moment yeah the the pre-show poo is such a thing anyway it's important we got into this huddle and i remember her choice of words she she looked at us all and she went okay it's yours she was like it's not about me anymore take what we've done and then go do your thing with it so it's a very interesting um chain of like creative control almost and Mm. after and especially with a play because once the curtains are up it doesn't matter what the writer wants or what the director wants because they're not on the stage so it's it's a very interesting you know step-by-step process Mm. i looked up i looked up the actor stellan skarsgård is a swedish guy he's swedish Um, He's been in buckets of brilliant stuff, and I kind so of forgot. So many brilliant things. Go um, on, give and us he's some. always he's always like. Uh, well, the thing is, I'm, I'm there's going to there's loads of random stuff I don't know, and then there's obviously all the Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, stuff. Yeah, so he played Bootstrap. Um, yeah, he was in Goodwill Hunting, obviously. Yep. yep. Um, Ronin, which mm. you may have heard of. Deep Blue Sea he was in, and loads of big budget stuff as well. Didn't see Deep um, Blue Kiss, Sea. Kiss, Bang, Bang. Yep, seen that. Um, bloody hell! He's in King Arthur, one of the King Arthur films. Doesn't it suck when there's King an actor who is so amazing and successful, and just oh. by potluck you've not seen like most of their shit? Yeah, it's it's really odd. Yeah. Um, I do like it when you find um an actor. What's the name of the really great um the black British guy who's in um who was in Skins and then was in um Black Panther. And he was in uh, one of the Johnny English films. Was um, in and he was in Get Out. What's the name of the guy from oh, Get Out? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, give me a sec. Get Outcast. Get Outcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, Daniel Kaluuya? Do I pronounce, did I pronounce that right? I'm yeah, I, I, I remember not being able, not, not, not quite knowing how to pronounce his name. Yeah. But, um, oh, it's been wonderful just You're watching right. things. He was, the, he was in, like, OG Skins, wasn't he? He was, like, yeah. episode one of Skins. Totally yeah, I never really that. watched Skins, but I, I like, I just picked him out of things, and he's been in, he's been in, like in the background in sketches. So I, I, I'm a big fan of um, British, as you know, I'm a big fan of British comedy, and big fan of Mitchell and Webb look, and he's yeah. in Mitchell and Webb look. Oh, is he? Um, at one point, um, and he plays one of the background guys, and it's wonderful to see an actor who you can see has some potential, and you see them just in little bits here and go, and then suddenly get out i came out and i was like fucking yes because that was such a big film and it's wonderful to just watch someone's career progress in that i love way. it as well loved that i had such that a good with film. i had that with marion cotillard do you know that name 
No. Trust me, you know her. <laughs> so Marion Cotillard was like the most successful French actress for years. She was in, she played Edith Piaf in La Vie en Rose, also known as La Mon, which is in oh, French. I know her. Yeah, exactly. And this is the thing. So I was a big fan of hers because when I was doing my French A-level, I was watching French movies. It's just a way to get better at yeah, listening yeah. to French. And um, I was a massive fan. I was like, this woman's incredible. And then watching her crack Hollywood made me so happy. Hmm. So I, I didn't see Inception in the cinema. So one yeah. day, one yeah, day, I, yeah, that's why, yeah, yeah. One day the Savers, Batman, yeah. the Savers were like, let's get a, let's order a film and watch it all together on a Sunday. So my brother brought the DVD of Inception because he was the only one who had seen it. And I saw her on the DVD on the back, and I went, oh my god, is that Marion Cotillard? And because I said a French name, Luke was like, uh, no. Like, as if I was really dumb. And I was like, um, 100% um, yes. is. <laughs> and I'm watching it going, Luke, that is definitely Marion Cotillard. Don't blame me if you don't know your French actors. <laughs> and then she did Public Enemies alongside Johnny Depp. And she had the main part in that. And she killed it. And yeah, and she didn't she also... Yeah, she was also in the final Christopher Nolan Batman film. Yeah. Um, Dark Knight yeah, Rises. A, a she film. was in that. And all of those three movies were all in quite a small space of time. So I remember mm. just cheerleading. I was like, yeah! She I've got it right here. Hollywood! Yeah. <laughs> like... Inception, 2010. Uh, and then the next one I recognised her from, which was Dark Knight Rises, 2012. Yeah. Um, then she's in Anchorman 2. I, which I didn't, I didn't watch know. Anchorman 2. Um, but it's just, just, just really weird. <laughs> but um, no, of course I recognise her as soon as, as soon as I did a shake Google. She's a phenomenal actress. Absolutely phenomenal. Ben. It's really funny. She was on an episode of Graham Norton along with some Irish Olympic rowers. She could not understand a word they were saying and she, she just sits <laughs> there kind of smiling. And then Graham Norton notices, is like, are you okay? Do you know what they just said? And she was like, nope. <laughs> Boom. Fun fact, she, and she, again, she says this in the same interview, she lip synced for La Vie and Rose, which is strange because it's fantastic. Um, and lip syncing is, you know, absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. But she still took a load of singing lessons so that it would look as realistic yeah. as possible. And I respect mm. that. She was like, yeah, it absolutely. needs to be a lot more than moving my lips. And if I'm playing Edith Piaf, it, it needs to look great. So, and again, I think we should, we should destigmatize someone doing singing for you. There's no yeah. harm. So like a really good example of this. Um, and again, I really don't want to slag someone off. But the live action Beauty and the Beast had mm. um, Emma Watson. I get yeah. all the Emmas mixed up because there's, there's Emma Stone, Emma Watson. Uh, there are so many Emmas. But Emma Watson. There's a lot of in. Emmas about. Now, she is a fantastic actress. And I will never deny that. She, is, she looks perfect to play Belle. Perfect for the part. But half the music her singing was auto-tuned hmm. and i remember when that movie came out reading an article that was like look and this this fits into the whole supporting artist thing why can't we just go back to using a professional singer because there's no harm there is no yeah, harm in her being perfect for the role and someone else doing the singing as long as we pay them fairly and credit them for one th yeah for one thing it's not going to harm emma watson's career at not all at she's all. still going to be a brilliant actress you're going to have a much more genuine sounding performance Absolutely. most likely yeah which isn't a criticism of emma watson or even not at all you know even trying a regressive attitude to technology in terms of performance a professional singer is just as good to sound better than a non-professional singer who's yeah. auto-tuned in the same way you that, would use a stuntman gonna, like yeah exactly it's a, spe and, it's a very specific skill more than that you're gonna you know 
benefit someone else's career Massively. who deserve who has a gift and a talent and a skill that they've worked on you know? yeah and that's a good thing um and no one loses in that scenario did we we talked about this last time the dance double for black swan that was a whole thing yeah yes again supporting artist she she had spent years becoming a dancer R- credit her for it good for her you want to make a film about professional ballerinas use some professional ballerinas there's no harm in that <laughs> i think we should destigmatize all that that's all i'm saying boom What's Boom. your next one? Um, I've got more bands. Um, Go for it. And I said I was going to do one that was a um, uh, another more modern, unexpected band from me, but I'm going to do another one in between those. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do a band that uh, was one of the best bands I've ever seen live, and I saw them six times towards the end of Lemmy's life. I oh. saw Motorhead six times, um, and I saw him from when he was still fucking brilliant and harder and faster and more bollocksy than anything out in the entire world, right up until he was getting old and doing his last few shows where he just couldn't keep up the pace anymore, which was one of the saddest things to see. Um, um, you might not know... I mean, I, I I have told you before, really, but, but Lemmy became a bit of a kind of flagship kind of figure in the rock world. And, um, you know all these documentaries that came out of him, there was like a series of documentaries, uh, one or two of them in the 2000s, I think, um, which grossed really high and like they're kind of staples for, for for people who are interested in this kind of whole world that I'm weirdly involved in. And um, Motorhead's best mosh pit I've ever been in, ever, um, was Motorhead. I believe it was at Download. Um... But I did get hit in the head pretty hard, so it could have been British Summertime. Um, I think actually no, I think when it was British Summertime, he was just starting to lose his edge, which was really sad. Um, but yeah, Motorhead are just so bloody good, and I remember them getting something sad happened in the um, the classic era of Motorhead. Uh, I mean, to be honest, Motorhead just kind of kept going. But there was uh, the the classic Ace of Spades album, right? So there's obviously the the, the track that everyone knows by Motorhead, Ace of Spades. But there's that that album has uh, some great tracks on it, and the musicians in the band at that time were um, Lemmy, um, Fast Eddie Clark, and uh, Filthy Animal Taylor, right? So they've all got these ridiculous cowboy names, which I love. Um, but that's just their name. That's what just what everyone calls them. They all, they all have these weird names. It's worth watching some of the Lemmy documentaries. And all those guys died within just a few years of each other, right? Um, even though Motorhead was still going. And when I went to see Motorhead, they got Filthy Animal Taylor, the drummer, amazing drummer, um, to come out and say hi to the crowd because he happened to be there. And by this point, his... his like I think he had arthritis and his back was fused up or anything, right. but I got to see you know part of the Motorhead lineup, you know, which was so cool. And uh, whenever they do Overkill, which is one of their other huge songs, um, uh, it's 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 really significant for his drum part. And Lemmy always says, "I now introduce you the best drummer in the world." And whoever's playing drums at the time, so usually it'll be Mickey D. It would have been Mickey D when I saw them. Who's a fucking brilliant drummer who now plays for Scorpions. We did for a while. Um, and uh, at this point, he says, "Ladies and gents, the best drummer in the world, Phil Filthy Animal Taylor, comes out. Uh, fucking brilliant. Oh man." But but Motorhead had that ability to tap into something that everyone had that I talked about. Um, in our last thing, that kind of aggressive 
thing. It just taps into some kind of BPM, I think it is, mm-hmm. that makes everyone just lose their complete shit. And people who were playing with Motorhead back in the 70s were like, Jesus Christ, their fans are fucking terrifying. Because they'll come up to the front and they were they were the headbangers. They were banging their heads against the front of the stage. Blood was coming out and shit. You know, Motorhead fans are all crazy. Wow. And they're mad. I never... And, um, I never- I was never enough of a headbanger to just make my head bleed yeah. from the sheer uh, They're motion. smacking their heads against the stage shit. Fucking oh, crazy fuck people. Oh, Oh, my and, God. Um, oh, just one of the best live acts ever. And I was, I was always gutted I never saw them inside at their own show. I only ever saw them at festivals. But, you know, I, d- I didn't lose... You know, I still got to see Motorhead live. And still Do you remember when you first discovered headbanging and then also discovered, like, the hangover your neck goes through afterwards? Do you mean the bangover? Is that what, what it's called? That's what it's called, Amber. It's called a bangover. Is it actually yeah. called a bangover? Yeah, Love I got it. a major bang over, mate. Saw Motorhead last night. Fuck me neck right up. It <sighs> does fuck your neck up. Oh, yeah. my God. But that only lasts so for, much, like, three days. Especially when you have days. hair that's really long, like yeah. mine. You, you have gotta... so much fun whipping your hair back and forth. And then the next yeah. day, everything is tense. back and forth. Continue. I hate Sorry. that song. But yeah. Anyway, You're the one who said it. <laughs> I know, I, I know, I know. I did it to myself. Yeah. But yeah, when you've got really long hair, moshing is so much fun. You do like yeah. hairography. It's great. Yeah, I'm really absolutely. good at doing the circle thing. You know, when yep. you make the hair With go the like, you know. Yep. Yeah. But it. <laughs> the next day, that was a Pantera riff. That's what you do that to. Thanks. Um, I bear that in mind. Yeah, the. Um, the the bangover is is a, is a well known phenomenon in uh, my part my neck of the woods. Your um, neck of the but, woods. Um, You're so cockney today. Was, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. My it was my damn my manner. So uh, Dan Hawkins, I think it was from the darkness, who said um, that or was it someone from Airborne? It might have been Joel O'Keefe or something from Airborne, um, who said that you know it's going to be really bad for the first few days on tour when you got the bangover, but generally after that time you'll just you just get set. And then, you know, ruin your posture for life. But yeah. it, it doesn't hurt as much after that. You get into the rhythm of it. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I, I've got to say one more Motorhead story. There's, there's Go for it, billions, man. There's billions of Motorhead story. But, but um, Twisted Sister, Yeah. Uh, we're not going to take it, those guys. Dee Snyder, um, one of don't their first... Don't sing that. Oh, no. Cole, you don't know what you've just done. What have I done? Oh, sorry. You have just activated... Um, a memory that I had suppressed. That's all right. Continue to suppress it, because I'm talking. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> Are you all right? I'm fine. I said it so that people would know who I was talking about. No, I know. Carry on. I'll explain later. Um, one of their first really big shows, I think it was one of their first big shows in the UK, um, was supporting Motorhead. I can't remember where it was. They did a big show supporting Motorhead, and they were terrified because it was all Motorhead fans. And they typically got very strange responses from people, Twisted Sister, because obviously they're all cross-dressing, right? So um, they're all um, in these these 80s glam outfits and um, they didn't feel welcome in any kind of popular music, pop music, they were a popular music, but a pop mm. music type crowd, obviously, mm. um, but they felt weird in front of some kind of hardcore gatekeeping grognard uh, metal crowds because... They're just in they're in dresses and things and they're in like pigtails and stuff. So um they felt really anxious going on to um see going on to play before Motorhead. And Dee Snyder talked to Lemmy in um the green room, just saying, you know, man, this is gonna be crazy. And Lemmy walked out and they they were like throwing bottles and shit at the stage before they even came out. So oh fucking booing and shit. And Lemmy walks out, 
and goes up to the mic and says, these guys are some mates of mine from America. Um, I'd appreciate it if you uh, gave them your time or something like that. Mm. And then, they play an amazing fucking show! That's because Lemmy was a fucking boss. Um, basically, there's there's a phrase, Lemmy is God. That's that's like a, a thing. So, so for instance, there's an amazing film called um, Airheads, right? Yes. And um, they're testing if someone's like, you know, cool enough to, to, to represent them as in like a contract or something. And they ask him a, a series of questions. And one of the questions is, who would win in an arm wrestling match, Lemmy or God? And he goes, Lemmy, ha, trick question. Lemmy is God. So we have a new game to play yes. in the podcast. <laughs> who would Sorry. win in a fight? <laughs> who would win in a fight? It wouldn't be Lemmy. Lemmy wasn't a very fighter. He was a little bloke. He's only like five foot eight. But he talked the fucking talk, you see. Okay, I'll do a quick shout I mentioned The Darkness in passing earlier, but they're, they're always one of my favourite bands, particularly live. I got to see them um, do a tour of their first album, which is kind of their, their biggest album, um, Permission to Land, with all the big songs that I believe in, a thing called Love. Um, brilliant, brilliant live act. Um, and I saw them um, at Download uh, after their comeback when they were kind of in a supporting role there. Shout out to Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. They're actually looking for a new singer. Um, no, I'm not going to apply. I feel like because, I know them. Have we spoken about um, them before? We've, I've spoken to them about four times on the podcast. No, They're I know. just really anyway, good. Anyway, yeah, go, carry Phil on. Phil Campbell was in Motorhead um, for most of um, for the, the, the latter part of Motorhead's career. I feel like a friend um, of mine from uni has like gigged with them. I think that's what I'm thinking. Because I've seen them boom. live. and I think They're was, a brilliant band. They're a brilliant, yeah, brilliant yeah, band. Yeah, they are really good. Um, uh, I want to do a shout out to a band that none will expect from me. It's called Horror, but the R's are replaced by nine, so it's H O nine nine zero nine. And they're like, I have no idea what genre to describe them as. They're somewhere between hip hop and drum and bass, and like big beat prodigy type stuff, and and but also kind of punk and bits of metal and stuff. I don't even know much about them. Usually, I only pick bands I know loads about. But I saw them supporting Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes at the last live gig I went to before the first lockdown in twenty twenty. Um, so this was like at the start of March and they were just fucking brilliant. I had no idea who they were before they came on. So check out Horror, replace all the R's with nines. They're brilliant. <laughs> and uh, one more is a local band to me who have supported Hell's Gazelles loads of times and we keep picking them out because we love them. Cherokee with two I's rather than two E's at the end. They're kind of a bit royal bloody, a bit more punky than that, uh, a bit more Larry. And um, the drummer Felix is fucking great, and he's like a way more of a showman than a drummer needs to be, and I fucking love that. So check out Cherokee with two eyes because I love them. Um, so there we go. That's all the people I really wrote down, apart from remind self to talk about the Punisher because I fucking love the Punisher. Because um, <laughs> we mentioned the Punisher <laughs> last one. <laughs> we, I think we were talking. I can't remember how we got there, but you do. Yeah, we love the Punisher. I just love the Punisher, man. It's a really good story. Um, That's great. I was thinking, so a lot of our last episodes have been us talking about other people and how great they are. Should we Boom. round off and try and think of just some funny tidbitty stories like we did in our early, early, early episodes? What's the funnest story you have from backstage? Can't think of the funnest one, but I can think of one off the top of my head. Go for it. Um, it's very unusual to get a rider or even get a green room, frankly, a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, we did two gigs in Derby. Um both of which were shit, <laughs> to be frank. And um, basically, someone from my university was doing a headline show and they needed some, some portal gags on and they found a couple of things. And then we ended up with a mishmash of like 
our band, heavy rock band, and then there was like an indie band, and then there was like um, a really great kind of poppy singer. It was just the stupidest gig ever, but I managed to get some people out. And we turned up to the show. Um, everyone was rude to us. Um, and <laughs> we went backstage to the green room. It was like, wow, we've got like a green room and a fridge. Maybe we've got a rider. We opened up um, the fridge and we found a pot of green hummus. Is it hummus that have gone green? And we were like, wow, that's the best rider we've ever had. Oh, I'm personally offended. That's disgusting. <laughs> and the gig, they had no central heating in the venue. So, you know me, running out on stage with, you know, no shirt. I was in like four layers for the show. And there's pictures of me somewhere with my red Mohican flopping all over the place mm. with like coat after coat after coat on and a hoodie and a jacket um, singing to... Uh, a room with three people who are all friends of mine in Derby. So I don't think we'll go back to Derby any time soon. I actually think backstage is just... I I think I've just touched on such a fun topic because... um, So with you, when you do a set, you go on, you do your set and you leave in general. You might nip out, grab some water, change guitars, whatever. But when you're an actor, you have so many entrances and exits. You have scenes that you're in and scenes that you're not and you need to be there ready. So you spend a lot of the evening in the wings... Okay. Yeah. And there is something about being there that brings out a very mischievous side in us. So again, actors by definition are kind of playful weirdos, right? Puckish, strange. And yes, that's who we people. are. We are the pucks of the world. <laughs> like yep. and I was talking to um someone about this while doing Lady Macbeth not too long ago. So when you so you can't make any noise, especially if you're mic'd up. You have to be dead quiet. You're in the darkness. So I was saying to her, "What is it about being in the wings or backstage that makes me just want to like misbehave? It it brings out a very cheeky side of me because you know. Okay, you like when you're in school and the really strict teacher comes in and you know you shouldn't laugh and there's nothing in the world you want to do more than piss about and laugh. It's that that comes out. And I was saying this to a fellow actor and I haven't got her permission to name her. I don't think she'd mind, but just in case I was saying this to her and I was like, what is it that brings up, makes me want to be, and she goes, yeah, it makes you either really like cheeky or really horny. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. And basically I don't care. I I have it on good authority that I am not the only actor that has the fantasy of doing it backstage because again, you're, you're in like, you're in the dark, very close quarters with people it's not spacious you're in the wings between usually between two strips of cloth and you're really pressed up against each other like you can feel people's breath on you and you've got the excitement (laughs) of of a show and the adrenaline and you just think should we should we like i never have i should explain this i never have I mean, I haven't. I'm just saying. I haven't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying saying I want to. Yeah. (laughs) And I know, I know I'm not the only one. You guys don't even have to message me to tell me how right I am. I know for a fact it's not just me because other actors have told me their stories. I know we all think it. But I want you all to email in saying, (laughs) I don't know what Amber was talking about because that's like, she just made that up. I think she's just, she's got some problems. Please message in the most outrageous thing you've done backstage or in the wings because I know there's some, awful stuff that's happened i'm just fully aware of it 
Um, you also oh, have, man. it is a thing, it's a very common thing as well, that there will be tiny, tiny holes in the curtain at eye height so that you can see so how many... Also, okay. So, no, 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 no. Sorry, I was, I was really weirded out then. It's so that backstage you can see the stage and how many people are in and yeah, you course, can't yeah. help. Because again, you're there for ages as the audience come in sometimes. So you're like, ooh, ooh, where's my mum? <laughs> kind of like, so there yeah, are so yeah. many fun little... I remember once, um, it was, again... <clears throat> it was just us being playful but um we were backstage of a show and a huge part of of getting ready for the show is your breathing you need to ground yeah, yeah, your yeah. breathing it's good for your memory it's good for your ability to say long lines especially with shakespeare like breathing is like 40 percent of actor training as breath work like genuinely yeah. um it's always it's so important for so many reasons um and yeah, so me and my friend were like getting a bit nervous. We're a bit like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. This is a big deal. So we're trying to ground our breath. But that's difficult to do when you're nervous. Your breath comes up into your chest and into your throat. And you need to get your yep. your breath to the bottom of your lungs. So you, you have all these exercises to get the breath into like... And one type of thing is trying to breathe through your groin and i know that sounds weird but it is a technique again i don't care what anyone says i know it's a fact read a patsy rodenberg book and she will agree with me nerdy moment but yeah my way of saying that to my friend was i said I, we're just backstage and again it's that cheekiness i'm making him laugh and that made me laugh and i was just sat there going breathe through your dick <laughs> i was like imagine your dick is smoking a joint Give your d- <laughs> i always worry that i'm the one who says the weird shit no so now one of, <laughs> i have worked with that person on multiple occasions and our little joke backstage is give your dick a joint when we're trying give to your dick a joint. ground our breathing well oh. people at home that's the message from today's <laughs> wrist and scripts remember give your dick a joint <laughs> oh i think we should stop i think i gotta quit while i'm god i think you <laughs> should stop climbing i don't care what anyone says <laughs> it's true no everyone has had that thought let's do a cheeky sign off well people at home you've been listening to the wonderful amber savat myself college brian and of course together we are riffs, riffs and, and scripts um, so please, 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 please check us out on Instagram. Uh, just look up Riffs and Scripts Pod. We're also on Facebook now. Just look up Riffs and Scripts. That's us. Um, and you can email us at riffsandscripts at gmail.com. There we go. So thank you very much for listening to Thanks for listening, of you Riffs guys. and Scripts. Goodbye. See you next week. Oh, I should have shot in the kettle, but I didn't. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I wanted to, but I didn't have a shit in the chamber, so I was going to shit in the guy's kettle, but I didn't. I would have never forgiven Blasted. you if you shat in my kettle. That is how I, you I end I would up never a shit in your kettle. <laughs> I wouldn't I'm, shit in your kettle. I'm putting that on Instagram. I would never shit in your kettle. I would never shit in your kettle. God's anyway, sake. we need to stop. Things are getting weird. <laughs>